You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and thanks for joining me, Sharon Noonan, for tonight's Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Hooray, it's officially the Christmas season, so brace yourself for lots of festive-themed interviews for the next few weeks. If you have something seasonal that you'd like to share with the listeners, I'd love for you to get in touch. It could be your top Christmas recipe, the perfect gift for a food or drink lover, or how you spend your perfect Christmas day. To get in touch, you can email me, s.noonan at live.ie, or Send me a tweet at Queen of Org, short for organisation. Coming up on the show tonight, resident restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley returns to Salt Hill. Easy Food magazine editor Dee Laffin responds to a listener's plea for help to ensure the Christmas dinner is piping hot. And Dee will also be telling us about the Easy Food Christmas Annual. Founder and director of online Isle magazine, Lisa McGee, provides inspiration for your Christmas shopping with details of some food and drink gifts. The Mustard Seeds' John Fitzmorris will be talking to me about his experience at the Eurotalk Young Chef competition and I'll also be talking to Ross Lewis and a couple of the other competitors. And towards the end of the show, I'll have details of some events taking place during December. But before that, let's chat to Rachel Keeley now about her latest dining spot in Salt Hill. County Galway. Bon appetit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rachel Keeley is in the studio now with me. Good evening, Rachel. Hi, Sharon. Thanks for having me. And you have been to another place in Salt Hill. Yes, yes. Back up there again. I get called by the draw of the sea or something along those lines, I think. Uh, Back to a seafood bar this time, a brand new one, just opened since August. And how many of you were there? There were four and a half of us. Uh, Myself, my husband, my sister, her partner and her nine-month-old son, Nicholas. Now, some people are going to be saying this sounds very familiar because you were in Salt Hill before at a different place with with the same number and permutation of people. So you have, your sister lives up that direction, doesn't she? That's true, a good point. She does, she lives up there. Um, she and her family live up there and they love it, absolutely love it. They're, I don't think they're going to be leaving anytime soon. The idea of waking up and looking out onto the sea uh, really appeals to them. So, so they're there for a while and the little fella loves it as well. He loves being out for sort of his bracing walks and he took his first steps yesterday. So oh, there'll be a few more of those, I think. So he's nine months and... Whenever you're out then with a nine month, you really need to be careful where you're going to. You do, you do. I mean, we're very conscious as well at the times of the day that we go. You know, we don't interrupt sort of very evening meals. We go kind of early evening before he gets cranky and before um, the place gets too busy. But no, you can tell very quickly whenever you go into a restaurant if they're going to be baby friendly or not or child friendly indeed. And the fisherman in... uh Salt Hill, was it child-friendly? It was from the outset, um, whether that was to do with him or the staff or maybe a combination of both, but he charmed all the waitresses around him and they, they sort of ran to him, got everybody, got him his child seat, um, gave him a few things to play with, oyster shells in this case, and um, also then when he decided he wasn't finished with his own food and he wanted to grab of the adult's food, they provided him with a little bit of pea puree from fish and chips, which is a nice touch. Very mm-hmm. nice indeed. And what was on the menu for the adults? Um, the the menu it's sort of um, it's it's sort of like a fancy fish and chips place. They they go for a lot of um, you know beer battered and twice cooked chips and things like that. Uh, but there's a lot of seafood as well as steak, so they kind of cater for everybody really. Um, for us, we were more interested in the specials board, so we most of us went for seafood, just being the kind of place we were in. Well, I think whenever you're on the coast like that, it's it's madness really it's, to, it's to not have it because you're not going to get it for Sure. Exactly, especially in the Galway coast. You know, they had Galway, uh, Galway Bay of oh, mussels, actually it was, and they had Atlantic uh, oysters. So, as you say, fresh, fresh from literally a couple of yards away. And what did you go for yourself then? Um, I actually had myself, would you believe, I started off with the vegetarian dish, which is not like me at all, but it sounded good. Um, it was a warmed local goat's cheese. A very, very simple dish, literally just a little disc of goat's cheese and um, on a little kind of flat piece of toast and with baby leaves and fresh green pesto um, so very very simple but you know what it was it was perfect it was 
especially for the cold wintry evening that, that it was. And your companions? They had sort of a mix, um, quite a few oysters around the table. Uh, I think I it was like oysters <laughs> myself. I find it hard to go past them if they were on a menu somewhere like that. And that's it. When you sort of when you're you're in a place that knows how to handle them, you, you can't really not try a couple. You know, so so the first six came out and were quickly devoured by my husband. Um, and then actually the uh, the staff presented us with another six um, free of charge, which was a very nice touch. It was obviously they like to see people enjoy a different dish. It was served um, with that. Uh, I think Glasgow. it's called no no, no. Uh, the mignonette sauce it's the um, shallot and red wine vinegar which is nice it just lifts it and kind of cuts through that saltiness really well yeah I'm not a fan of them cooked don't like them heated up cooked with anything I just like them au naturel with lemon and a bit of Tabasco but that vinaigrette sounds nice it is nice. No, I agree with you about the cooked aspect. You don't see it done an awful lot in Europe. Um, it's a little bit further afield. It's often done, but I think it it kind of gives them a more chewy taste, more akin to cooked mussels, which um, I think they're separate and should be kept separate yeah, personally. I yeah. agree. And for main courses, um, what did you opt for? Um, well, actually, my husband decided on trying to maximise his dish. So he saw a title with trio in it and went for that. It was the O'Malley trio, a special, uh, which entailed basically a heaving wooden platter of fish. There were was place sea trout and mackerel and a smattering of yet more oysters and a couple of mussels as well which is nice very good and you yourself um, I myself actually I've, I'm a big fan of longestines I, I like sort of really proper meaty prawns um, good size and I like them in garlic butter garlic and chilli butter basically maximum calories really I suppose um, in this instance they were all dressed which I thought was a bit of a pity I would have preferred to sort of work for my meal a little bit um, and the actual sauce was sort of slightly more brothy than, than buttery sauce but still very very nice very appetising Were they in the shell or had they been shelled? Fully shelled yeah, I don't like that. We have to either. start working with them and start picking the shells off. I like them shelled. I like them. Uh, I like them dished without with the shells on. I beg your pardon. Um, I like to sort of a part of the, I don't know the. Um, the extra bit of effort that goes into it and then when it reveals the flesh beneath it it's it's worth it then you know yeah you're very good <laughs> and your sister and her partner what did they go for I think on a rare evening out um, they decided to go for steaks so they had the uh, surfing turf which was lovely proper big thick steaks very well cooked cooked exactly as they wanted them um, and again on those wooden platters which is a nice rustic touch now I, I always think when you go for fish it's quite light meal so there's always a bit of room for dessert then well there usually is but actually the portions were so generous here um, and, and I suppose we had a kind of relaxed nobody was hurrying us along so we, we found by the end of it all we were fairly full only the boys managed to um, to sort of find an extra square inch of room in their tummies as they're, as they're miraculously able to do quite regularly um, I couldn't so I just settled back um, with a glass of wine and a nice glass of Pinot Grigio but uh, my husband had actually quite an interesting dessert it was a chocolate peanut butter stack so um, that sounds interesting. It was. It was. It wasn't as rich as you might think. But when you kind of cut a cross section, you just saw layers of, of kind of a gooey, nutty butter, and then chocolate, and then cream. So it just all conspired to create a very kind of satisfying and fresh dessert. You know. Yeah, it sounds nice. So it does. Mm. You mentioned you had a glass of wine. Was there anybody else? Um, yes, um, just my fellow lush husband. Um, he had an Argentinian Malbec uh, trapiche. It was quite quite generous again in their portions um, and not bad prices. I think they were around five fifty, which wasn't terrible for a seafront restaurant. And the bill overall then? Again, not bad, I have to say. Um, I mean, just looking at it, even sort of a meal for two, it was €79 Euro for two starters, two main courses, two glasses of wine and a dessert. So again, not bad for sort of the quality of the restaurant involved. And the overall ambiance was to your satisfaction it was in fact a little bit more we would have liked to be able to stay on but we'll have to come back sans enfant for that well I don't know that <laughs> sister of yours never seems to get a drink it must be <laughs> must be your turn to drive one of these nights. one of these days she only has to stroll home but no I think the idea of having a hangover and a baby yes. um, doesn't work for her I've been <laughs> well Rachel thanks so much for coming in to talk to us about that it's the Fisherman Seafood Bar and Grill in Salt Hill if anybody's up in that neck of the woods well worth making the trip up I'd say absolutely well worth it and especially I would imagine on a nice summer's day they actually have a wine bar downstairs so you could really make a proper trip out of it and you're going to be back now in January with a kind of more healthy type approach just to, to kick start us in the new year so we look forward to welcoming you then until then have a lovely Christmas thank you and to you Sharon cheers chin chin salut schlante
Thanks to Rachel for her mouth-watering review and you can find details of that review and lots of others on her blog which is at rmkeely.com If you know the perfect restaurant and you think Rachel should visit it and review it for the show please drop me an email with all the details to s.noonan at live.ie and I'll pass the information on to Rachel. Still to come tonight, founder and creative director of online Isle magazine, Lisa McGee, visits the studio to help you out with your Christmas shopping. I'll have an interview I did during the Dingle Food Festival in October. And if you're looking for some food-related things to do this weekend, I'll have some suggestions towards the end of the show. Next, though, it's over to the phone to Easy Food magazine editor, Dee Laffin. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. So on the line, I have Dee Laffin, editor of Easy Food magazine. How are you this evening, Dee? Very good, thank you. And before we start talking about the latest issue of Easy Food magazine, I have received an inquiry, an email from a listener, who wants to know if you have any advice for her about, first of all, buying a plate warmer, and secondly, a bain-marie. And the reason she's asking about these two items is she has about 12 people coming to dinner on Christmas Day. She has a typical domestic-sized oven and only four hob rings and she's a bit panicked about keeping everything warm and keeping plates warm. What advice would you give to her? Well, basically, I, I mean, it's completely understandable. I think a lot of people suffer from this problem. Um, I think I know when I was growing up, our oven was quite small and um, we definitely had that problem. The one thing I'll say is just that um, Christmas can be quite expensive already without buying... Um, you know, a plate warmer, a bramery, unless you're going to use it again. I mean, if she if she frequently entertains, has guests over, then it might be a very good investment um, to pick up one of those or both of those items. Um, what I'll say about, but there are ways around that. And I mean, one of them, which I'm always, people always say I'm always talking about is just, you know, menu planning and, and planning your schedule, your time schedule as well of, of your cooking times. Um, for example, you know, like a, a lot of people forget that the turkey does need to rest and you know so you don't just take it piping out of the oven and serve and start carving it straight away so um, the turkey will stay very hot for quite a long time especially if you put some tin foil over it and a tea towel over that and allow it to rest um, on the counter and while that's been done for like 20 minutes half an hour you can warm up some plates and you can also, if you've pre-cooked uh, before the turkey kind of went in or, you know, your stuffing or any veg like that that needs to be warmed up again, you can put those into the oven at that point and warm those back up. I was um, a- I was actually at a cookery demonstration there recently. It was Mark Doe from Just Cooking and Fireys. Okay. And he said that in his house, they cook the turkey, they bring it out, it's there resting for 45 minutes, and yeah. that's when the vegetables go on, either into Absolutely. the oven or onto the hob. Because you think about how big a turkey is, and, you know, it really does stay quite hot for quite a long length of time, and it does need to rest like any meat, you know, with roast, especially joints like that. They kind of, the fat and everything has been has been cooking, and then when you let it rest, it all releases, and it gives you a much moister um moister um, meat when you're carving it up. So um, I would just say to her, absolutely invest if she feels it's worthwhile. There are some great products out there. I can't think of any off the top of my head um, but that I would re- that I would recommend, but I'm sure there are bargains for things like that. And if she's going to use it again, then certainly invest. However, I think that it's definitely achievable. If she writes down all the things she's going to cook, all the different elements of the Christmas dinner, plan what time everybody, you know, she wants to serve it at and work backwards, uh, uh, leaving in that kind of, you know, 30 to 45 minute period where the turkey's going to rest. And as I said, covered with tinfoil and then a tea towel over that to keep that heat in. Okay, well, that's good advice there, Dee. Thanks very much for that. And I'm sure there's lots of advice and help and assistance in the current issue of Easy Food magazine for people for Christmas. Absolutely. Um, this is the big one. This is our biggest issue of the year. It's um, a bigger in pagination and it's bigger just in the type of food is generally like, you know, it's a celebratory time. It's very, very much um, for the big occasion and lots of exciting recipes in there. Um, it's out on sale at the moment and it's 3 
and we've got over 107 recipes in there. And how we've sectioned it up is there's um, at the beginning, kind of like, you know, as you would think about when you're thinking of the calendar, we're counting down to Christmas initially. And we've kind of got people thinking about how they're going to set their table and how they're going to, um, what they're going to serve guests or, you know, making making meals ahead of time. Because I think that's the thing with Christmas is that as much as you can do ahead of time, the better, the less stressful the day and the more you can enjoy it. And so there are lots of recipes in there, first of all, for December that you can make and freeze extra portions so that if you have an extra mouth to feed or extra mouths to feed, that you can kind of pull something out of the freezer and cook it um, at last minute, you know, if you've last minute guests arriving. But also even desserts, you know, we've got make-ahead desserts or drinks like mulled wine that can be made ahead and then you can warm that up when guests are over. Um, so counting down to Christmas is the first section, then we move on to kind of the festive entertaining and a lot of people, I think it's a really fun time to have people over for dinner or even just nibbles, you know, like show off the Christmas tree and your lights or whatever. And you have some friends over for some drinks and a few kind of it's nice to do a few nibbles. So we've got some ideas in there for those kind of things. We've got cold nibbles, which are just very simple to put together and very inexpensive. And then we've got kind of more party food ideas that really only take a couple of minutes as well to make, you know, so it's all about very quick, very easy. So, and then um, the next section really is um, the big day itself and kind of getting ready for that. And we've got a pick and mix menu in the Easy Food Christmas Annual. So basically what we've done is we've, we've put in a few starters, a few main course uh, courses, um, we've got some sides with that and then some desserts. So you can kind of look at that, plan ahead and pick, oh, I'm going to do that starter and I'm going to do that main course I mean, most people go with turkey and ham, but we've done our version of turkey and ham and we've also got a lovely beef in there and we've got a vegetarian alternative as well. Um, And then some sides and some desserts. So it's nice, you know, I think it's nice to kind of look at different ideas and then pick out your own menu. And some things that some people really like to do is they even would print a menu, you know, and just put it on the table and serve it. You know, maybe you can get the kids to decorate a menu or something you know it's really fun to do that I've done that before in the past when I was younger Um, and then we've also this issue really tried to think about the people that Christmas can really become quite a hard time in terms of food and that's anybody with a special dietary requirement because I mean you know it's a time when we all eat very traditional foods um, you know ones that we've eaten for years and um some of those foods now, because of one reason or another, um, you know, you might need to be follow might might need to follow a gluten free diet, and um, or you might be diabetic, and you know sometimes those traditional foods just aren't suitable. So we've kind of got, taken the favourites and um, made them as diet friendly as we can for any for different diets, dairy free. Um, as I said, celiac. There's some egg free recipes in there as well. So you know, typical recipes that would be made with eggs we've kind of given alternatives as well um and i know as well christmas can seem like a very a time where people pile on a few a a few extra pounds a little bit of holiday weight and that's all you know really fun and everything and that's why we're all making big new year's resolution plans in the new year but um at the same time we've also looked at low fat recipes so there there are recipes in there that seem indulgent but are actually quite low in fat so they're they're a little less indulgent than than the than you might think, but still delicious all the same. So tell us what's going to be on the menu at Shay D. Laughing this Christmas. Oh yeah, well I um I haven't really thought about it too much, but I have to say that like a lot of people, we're very traditional, and um I tend to stick with my own version of uh, the kind of classic prawn cocktail. Um, it's something I've really adapted over years because when I was younger and I was growing up, the first kind of thing that I was allowed to when I wanted to kind of take part in the Christmas food was I was given the starter you know to look after and over the years I've kind of tried loads of different things but kind of come back to prawn cocktail and I've perfected it to my own um, kind of way in my own way and it's a warm prawn cocktail uh, which is you know the prawns are cooked fresh before you serve them um, with a nice little kick chilli kick to the to the sauce um, and that meant that 
uh, recipe is actually is is in the Christmas annual. We've done one from each member of the Easy Food team that kind of you know has a nice food Christmas memory attached to it. Um, so that's really it. And then my dad still looks after the turkey. Um, so I, that's we're very traditional, as I said, but it's it's really enjoyable. And I love Christmas dinner and Christmas seconds and thirds <laughs> and leftovers the next day as well. And I believe that there's two little twinios there from County Kerry in the, the Christmas annual. That's right. Um, Karen, uh, Karen Coakley's Karen, who does the Kerry slot here in the show, yeah, her sons yeah. are in it this month. They are, yeah. We basically, we tried to think about for the kids section just something a little bit different. And we were like, what is Christmas about for them? And I know for them it's about, well, I guess, guess they think it's about presents and stuff. We were like, it'd be nice if we could get kids to think about the gift of giving and the actual reason you're doing it and to make their own gifts, which I know in fairness, a lot of kids are really good at doing that and they'll be taught that in schools. So we've come up with a few kind of ideas that are linked to food or are actual food gifts such as um, Christmas tree decorations that are biscuits um, that are decorated with icing and then you can give them to someone to hang on their tree. And there's also some marshmallows in there and there's some, um, you collect jam jars now between now and Christmas and then kids paint them and you can put a tea light in them and some ribbon around them and give them as a gift to their teacher or the postman or you know someone they just want to give a gift to, maybe granny or granddad or something. But um, yes, Karen Coakley's... Um, twins are in there and they are one of the people one of the kids that we got to do that for us um uh, which which they were great with much success so uh, i heard that they were loving their fame karen told me when they saw their faces in the magazine so that was really nice and of course you're talking about presents there a perfect present would be a subscription to easy food magazine Oh, absolutely. I'd love to think that everyone would get one, but um, no, absolutely. Uh, uh, subscriptions are available and there's a special rate in there for Christmas. Um, if you buy it now, then you give it to somebody and they'll have the magazine delivered free to their door every month. Um, and I mean, I think it's a very worthwhile gift um, to get all that recipe inspiration every month. Well, Dee Laughing, editor of Easy Food magazine, we wish you a very happy Christmas and we look forward to talking to you in the new year. Happy Christmas, Sharon. Thanks so much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to tonight's programme. If you've just joined us, we heard earlier from restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley. Rachel reviewed a lovely Salt Hill restaurant and you can find her review on her blog rmkeeley.com. Never fear if you've missed some of the show as it will be up on the Best Possible Taste podcast later in the week along with all the previous 2014 shows and you'll find the podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show. Just before the break, Dee Laffin, who is the editor of Easy Food magazine, had great advice for our listener who's worried about serving up piping hot food on Christmas Day to her gang of 12. And fair play to anybody that's entertaining 12 or more people on Christmas Day. That's a fair number. Dee was also talking about the Easy Food Christmas Annual, which is on sale now. And as she pointed out to you, you could do worse than give someone a subscription for the magazine for a Christmas gift or maybe even ask for it yourself. And speaking of gifts... Help is at hand this evening on the show in the form of Lisa McGee, creative director and founder of the online Isle magazine. Lisa was here last week talking about Thanksgiving and she returns this week with lots of gift suggestions. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Lisa McGee, who is the founder creative director of Isle magazine, is back in the West Limerick 102 FM studio tonight and tonight Lisa you're here to talk about food and drink Christmas gifts. I am indeed thank you so much for having me back Sharon. I hope you had a nice time researching this. I did. Well, I kind of live vicariously through all these wonderful Irish producers. Um, I'm always on the hunt for great new products, and I have my products that I consistently buy and use. So, And a lot of these products are such delicious and perfect little things to have that you might not always feel that you can buy for yourself. So they're good to buy individually or maybe even put together 
to create a hamper for somebody. Oh, definitely. And actually, I think, you know, as we all get older, it's so nice to be treated to nice food at Christmas. Um, I actually have an aunt in America who gives me a gift voucher to Country Choice in Nina for Christmas. And it's a really lovely treat because I wouldn't splurge on sort of wonderful food. I mean, I, I would love to, but, you know, I have to sort of um, be careful at times. So I, it's a wonderful way to go in and buy, you know, like a lovely bit of ham and some lovely jams and and treat yourself um, at Christmas time. Because I would imagine just the nature of your job, that you're out and about an awful lot. You're going into a lot of these producers a lot of the time to interview them and, and taste, and you could end up spending a fortune. Forget the purse it's the waistline then as well so you know you have to be so careful don't you well I do but it's very hard to resist because I find a lot of these producers at food festivals and I just can't walk away from their stand without buying something so it's lovely you know but food is a we all need food and um, it's part of my job with the magazine to cover it and let people know about what's out there and the first item you're going to talk about will be very, it's very well known to everybody is burn smoked salmon it is and you know it's funny because um I really discovered them initially through leaving Shannon Airport, flying back to the States when I first visited Ireland many years ago in 1998. And um, I actually always pick up a full side of salmon going back to the States every summer for my family. Um, So I'm spoiled that way because I know them personally. I photographed them for the first issue of the magazine in September 2012. It's a fantastic business and they keep evolving their product and it's just flawless as far as I'm concerned so I really enjoy it and I find smoked salmon is such a good part of the holidays great thing to have it lasts for a long time in the refrigerator it's a simple easy you know starter for people it's a great way to swirl into pasta all kinds of great ideas so and they have a good offer if people want to get together yeah well actually it was um, one of the great things they have right now which I wasn't aware of was um, their salmon buying club so if you get a group of people together who want to buy salmon if you order online and order over 20 kgs you get 15% discount off plus um, on the salmon but also 15% off on delivery so it's a really good incentive you know if everybody wants to buy some bits for the holidays to do that so and of course it wouldn't be uh, an Irish list if there wasn't cheese on it I know well there's a I have a long list of cheese that I love in this country but again another one that I found initially in Shannon but I've also since featured in the magazine is of course Cashel Blue which is known all over the, the place and you know you can get it in Super Value and Tesco the Country Choice um, shop in the Limerick Milk Market sells it along with um, I'm sure the Burn Smokehouse as well and the they have an, another blue cheese called Crozier Blue, which is actually made, the Cashel Blue is made from uh, cow's milk, but the Crozier is made from sheep's milk. And it's a really wonderful taste as well. And I really recommend people try that as an alternative. It's a little bit milder, not quite as sharp as the Cashel. And they do a cream version of the Cashel. They do, very yes. Dangerous, yes. Very but, dangerous. Yeah. Which teams up perfectly with a bit of salmon on a bagel or some brown bread. Yeah, it's very good. And I should mention, of course, Cattle's Cheese, Newcastle West. I don't know if you've ever visited them or not. No, I haven't. They're on my list, though. Yeah, you should definitely do that now because they have fabulous cheese there. And they do, I think Helen calls them truckies. There's three little ones there that are all in a nice gift pack. And people will see her out and about at the festivals now. And little stock those as well they're part of their deluxe range so they'll be available there for Christmas very good I'll definitely pick those up yep absolutely and Irish beef is the next one on your list I see yeah well I um, last year I was introduced to um, this wonderful spice beef which is um uh, produced by James Whelan Butchers and run by Pat Whelan. Um, and they're based in Clonmel, but they also have branches in Avoca. Um, and it has just wonderful flavor and it has a dry spiced rub in it. And um, uh, 
it's just delicious and their their stores are really beautiful they've just re kind of given them a whole facelift they're very modernized they're just sort of they make butchery just an art form which I find just so um, we don't see that in America the way you do here um, butchery is very sort of you know behind closed doors in America still um, I know now from having been into the Avoca one in um, just after the red cow there yeah. on the Nace Road that you can see everything going on you can see the butchers actually doing the work yeah it's great I think it's really interesting because I mean that is you know part of you know knowing where our produce comes from and understanding it and Pat Whelan who runs James Whelan Butchers is a real advocate for um, that whole side of things and he brought out a beautiful book this year didn't he he did actually we featured him that book in the magazine as well and he raises wagyu cattle as well in clomel and that's a fantastic um low fat beef high protein types <laughs> and uh simon lamont the lazy chef i think featured that on one of his programs and his series there on TV3 so and the other thing is the meat bonds I think he's just launched yes. the meat bonds again which oh, yes. are very interesting yeah we fe- we gave him a plug for those as well and an unusual gift as well it is an unusual gift and what I find it's also really interesting is Pat, um, James Whelan Butchers is online so he was one of the first butchers to go online so you can actually uh, just go on his website and order everything and it's delivered the next day um, the spiced beef you can get two pounds that would feed up to eight people for 16 so this is really quite reasonable for, um, you know, feeding people once you add in all the mash and veg and all the yum- other yummy things we all enjoy. And it is a very Christmassy dish. It definitely is. And they're really delicious. And moving on then to vinegars. Yeah, well, I was really lucky. And that's um, as we met, of course, in Dingle the first time, which was great. Um, I was a judge at Blasna Aaron this past October, um, which was a real treat for me to be part of the tasting process and be part of the award process for that, um, the Irish Food Awards. Um, so one of the categories I happened to have was vinegars and um, wildwood vinegars. They come out of County Mayo. Um, they're wild mountain heather vinegar, won the gold at Blasnairn. Mm-hmm. And they also have a blackberry and fuchsia vinegars. I think they have about 15 different vinegars. I have never tasted anything so amazing. And if you really want to give a real foodie a lovely gift um, the bottles are beautifully shaped they have beautiful tops to them and they're about 10 euro for a bottle so it's a really lovely treat gift for Christmas and what would people use those for oh they use them for dressings or you can use them to marinate fish with he has um, a lemon version and a I'm trying to think of the other ones but there are lots of wonderful versions that go with all different types of food and of course, you need something to wash all those nice dishes or nice foods down. Well, yes, and and um, my friends and um, business colleagues know that I have a, a, a quite a fun uh, soft spot for Dingle Gin, which. Um, comes out of Kerry. It's produced by the Dingle Whiskey Distillery. They also have a vodka as well. Uh, the bottles are both, um, they're square bottles. The gin is particularly delicious, and I just happen to be a real gin aficionado, but um, they're, they make beautiful gifts. Um, they retail for about 33 euro. You can get them in Super Values throughout um, Kerry. I believe they're at Garvey Super Value and Corbally in Limerick. Um, and say in Dublin, the Celtic whiskey shop would sell them. But they really are beautiful. And they actually have a painting on the bottle of the gin of Dingle Bay that was done by the artist Honora O'Neill in Dingle. So they're kind of a real special. And they're a premium quality top shelf gin. So, so a nice change from the usual brands. If yeah, and, it's, and it's, I- it's, it's Irish too, which is a real, you know, a unique quality. Now, Lisa, people are going to be saying, where can they get the details of all these different gifts? And you are going to have that all on the islemagazine.com website. I am. And actually, I do. I usually I always do a, a top 10 list of sort of food gifts for Christmas, Irish 
gifts. Um, so that will be, that's up on my website. And also you can even, there's a list from last year too. So um, lots of great ideas. And uh, of course, always want to encourage people to buy Irish where they can. It might not be local in their exact neighborhood, but you know, I, as an American, I kind of see as all Ireland is local because it's quite small in the scheme of things. Well, Lisa, thanks so much for coming in to share that with us. And just to remind listeners, it's Isle Magazine, and that's I-S-L-E magazine.com, and all the details will be there. And all that remains is to say happy Christmas. No, thank you. Same to you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break we had lots of fabulous Christmas gift suggestions to help you with your Christmas shopping thanks to Lisa McGee, founder and creative director of the online Isle magazine. Details of those items highlighted and many more can be found on islemagazine.com and Isle is I-S-L-E. I have to tell you about an event that I was at recently. It was the Eurotalk Young Chef of the Year 2014 competition final. Wade Murphy, who is the Eurotalk head on show and also chef owner of restaurant 1826 Adair, was here a few weeks ago and he mentioned it, as did Helen McDade of Fulcher Ireland in her most recent interview. So I was thrilled when I heard that My Neck of the Woods was represented by none other than John Fitzmaurice from the award-winning Mustard Seed in Ballingarry. There was only five shortlisted, so it's a major achievement to be one of those five. And I got to talk to John when I was there, and he started by telling me how he felt being one of the top five young chefs in Ireland. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. It's been a fantastic experience, absolutely amazing. Uh, Long, tiring, exhausting, hard work, stressful, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Tell me what you're cooking up today for everybody to taste. For tonight, for the final of the market party, what I'm doing is I'm using venison from Mitchellstone Park. And I have cured that and I've made jerky with it. And then I've done a scotch egg with venison. I've got a duck egg and wrapped it in the venison mousse and then breadcrumbed it. And then I've done mustard seed black pudding, the black pudding I'm making the mustard seed. I've dried that for a crumb. And I have some raisin and Longville House cider puree. Is that what you made earlier on in the day for the judges as well? No, today, this morning was completely different. The skills test was, um, what we were told was we had turbot and brown shrimp. And we had to do a main course with them. And then we had two types of Irish apples that we had to use as well. So you had to make a dish all by yourself or was that a team effort this no, morning? No, all by myself. There was five of us there. We all went off at half hour intervals. I was working in the mustard seed last night. So I finished, I got to Dublin at about two. I was up at half six this morning. So we were at the venue at quarter by seven and I cooked at nine and I finished at 11 and then we've been running around since. What was the judging process like earlier on today? Intense. It's very intense when you're there and you're planning up. It's at like a bench, normal bench, let's say. And you're planning up and you've got Philip Howard, who's this two-star Michelin chef from London who's trained half the chefs in Britain and Ireland. You have J.P. McMahon, who's a one-star chef from here in Galway, you know. Wade Murphy from 1826. Ross Lewis was there as well. He wasn't judging. And, and he wasn't judging he because, wasn't judging because two, there's two from chapter yes, one. He has two in the um, top five. So it was... You get the chef shakes, we call it. Um, it was intense. It is really intense when they're all... They're all crowded in around you as well. You have to really, you're there bent over your plate, plating up, and you've got these legends of the culinary industry looking over your shoulder with their little clipboards marking everything and you just have to kind of forget about it. Well you mentioned Phil Hard there and the prize is actually a stage with him over in London yeah. at his two star Michelin it's restaurant. It's amazing when I say that to non-culinary people the response is so you win a competition and you go work for free for two weeks is it? They can't they just don't understand the value of it. Like. And what is the value of that to you? The experience phenomenal absolutely phenomenal unbelievable um, outside of the whole aspect of it's on your CV, which is obviously very important. Both the amount you would learn in those two weeks would surpass years you'd spend in college. So it would be an amazing achievement. Well, you're in the Mustard Seed at the moment, which is an award-winning, fabulous restaurant in West Limerick. 
where do you see yourself going from there? We break it gently to Dan now if he's listening. Break it gently to Dan. Dan's in Thailand, he'll be fine. Um, I haven't really thought about it. I genuinely haven't. I'm perfectly happy at the moment with the mushroom season. It's a great place to work, it's great. Dan's great, John Edwards great. It's, it's just a nice place to work, nice atmosphere. And that's very important as well, you know, that's half the battle. Nice people to work for you, get a certain amount of freedom as well, which is important to me. Like, Dan lets us do what we want to do, basically. Obviously, within reason, but we have that creative freedom, which is very important. Because you learn by that as well. And it's because of that creative freedom that you decided to enter the Eurotalk Young Chef of the Year competition. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, and I suppose it's, uh, to a certain extent, it's arrogance as well. I mean, you have to be slightly arrogant to think you're one of the five best, you know, if not the best. Um, so... And the theme this year was No Chef as an Island. Yeah. So what did you talk about whenever they interviewed you about that? I did. Um, right, my dad is the poet Gabriel Desmarais, so I have a grown up around poetry. So I went back to the original No Chef as an Island, which is this obscure 16th century English poem by John Donne. And the premise of that, it's about, to my mind, it's about dying alone, right? So a lot of people took the No Chef as an Island and it's talks about how you have to bring outside influences so you know as in look beyond our shores look beyond our islands I did the opposite I kind of thought that it meant that we are all highly influenced by the people around us and by the surroundings by our surroundings by our environment and our surroundings so that's what I thought I mean I thought it was like no chef is an island as in no chef is immune from influence that surrounds them on a daily basis so that was where I went with it from all along so I used like you know, venison from Cork, I use cheese from Limerick, I use cider from Cork. You know, I did it as much, I kept it off place as much as I could. And I use things that that I would associate with people that I know and people who have been in my life. You know? Well, John, we wish you all the best tonight. Thank you. Good luck. And um, I'm looking forward to tasting your bacon and egg, as it's called. After I spoke to John then, I came upon two of the other competitors. Both are currently working at Dublin's Michelin Star Chapter 1, which, as you know, is headed up by Ross Lewis. So have a listen to what the two guys said. Matthew Logan is from the north and Ian McHale is from America. And this is what they had to say. Chapter 1 actually has two people in the final this year. And I'm going to talk to the first one, who's a fellow northerner. Matt, tell us where you're from. I'm from Hollywood, County Down, okay. just outside Belfast. Rory McElroy country. The very same, yeah. So how does a young fella from Hollywood, County Down, end up working in Chapter 1? Well, I've always been interested in cooking. Uh, I started off with Connor and Bernie and Rayanne House in Hollywood, uh, washing dishes, and really worked my way up through there, uh, working for Stephen Toman and Ox. Uh, and then really down here was the next step up uh, to Michelin star. I've always been really interested in food and cooking. Uh, you always have to eat. Uh, people always need to eat, so uh, I, I think we always do well with that. And it's something that's constantly changing, ever evolving, and it, it, no day is the same. And tell me what's on your menu tonight? Tonight we have something very simple. It's just a, a Ballyhora mushroom casserole with a smoked potato foam and an onion galette. Well, I look forward to tasting it, and good luck. Thank you very much. Ian, you're from the States, but you're also working in Chapter 1. How did that come about? Uh, I was working in one of the top five restaurants in Baltimore, uh, Linwood's, and I decided one day I just wanted to up and go. Uh, I wanted to do something and see something different and see the world while I was doing it. So uh, I picked up and moved everything to Dublin within a month, and uh, I haven't looked back since. I started in the Marion Hotel. I was there for a year and a half. And I've been in Chapter 1 for about 19 months now. So. Um, and tell me what's in your menu tonight. My menu is uh, braised pork cheeks with David Llewellyn's apple syrup, spiced pumpkin crush and crispy pork sears. Tell me now, I'm going to ask you to step in as well. What help has Ross Lewis been to you in preparing for the competition tonight? Ross has been a great inspiration, really. Um, we, we come in there every day and Ross is just so enthusiastic about food, about the produce, and that really rubs off on all of us. Um, to see his enthusiasm when David Burns sweet corn comes in, the first of the year, to see his enthusiasm for that, it's just fantastic and it rubs off on us. I, I think Matt summed that up very well. Um, Ross has been very integral to everything we've done from our dishes this morning for the judges uh, we've tasted, tested, tried, done everything we could possibly do with, uh, with 
chef and uh, he's been very helpful there. And then when it came to our menus this evening, he helped us chop and change to adapt to the fact that it is in a car park and it is 200 people and it's going to be very quick and whatnot. So he's been very, very helpful, very supportive and uh, we're both very blessed to have worked underneath him. Well, as you say, it is a car park we're in at the moment. What challenges did that present to you whenever it came to, first of all, deciding what you were going to cook and then actually making it? Um, it had to be simple. Um, my dish is all about the preparation, not about the serving. The serving of it is very simple. The, the only issue I have is my fryer is about 25 feet away from where it needs to be. So I'm going to have someone running back and forth frying off my pig's ears all night. But uh, other than that, that's the only really big challenge that I've stumbled across so far, but I'm sure there'll be more. And Matt, tell me, what would winning tonight mean to you? Winning tonight would be fantastic. But to tell you the truth, it might be cliche, but it is the taking part that counts. I've learned so much in this competition, and I'm just so honoured to be here in a Eurotox uh, competition with some great, uh, great other young chefs. Well, congratulations to you both and all the very best of luck. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Now, that interview with the two boys, Matthew and Ian, was like I did that before the winner was announced. So I had no idea at the time that I'd put the question about what would it mean to you to win to the winner, namely Matthew Logan. So there was only one person that I could go to then to to get a reaction to the winner, given that he had not one but two people shortlisted. And that was their mentor, Ross Lewis. Ross Lewis of Chapter One, one of your boys, did it this evening. A Northern Irish fella, Matthew yeah. Logan. How do you feel? I mean, obviously, it's not for me. It's not about me, but it's about the uh, nurturing of the young talent. Uh, I feel absolutely over the moon for Matt. Uh, as you know, I had two two in it this year, and I'm going to have one very elated uh, chef in the morning in Chapter One, and one very disappointed. You know, and competition is a cruel sport. But at the end of the day, it can be only one winner. It's very cliched. And it really depends on how they operate on the day. Uh, they've both been kind of well-taught, well-schooled. And, you know, it really comes down to competition is how the nerves perform on the day of the competition, how they put a dish up and how they execute it. And so, obviously, Matt has done it today. And uh, it's a big benchmark in his career. Is any young chef that win, wins the Bailey's Young Chef, uh, or the Eurotalk Young Chef, sorry, is um, it's a big it's a big thing for them, and can take them uh, take their career on to different heights, etc., etc. Matt told me earlier on that he was actually working in Ox and Belfast, and he mustn't have been there very long because it's not open very long. And he decided that he needed to get away from home. He wanted to move on to the next level, and that's why he went to Chapter One. Tell me about the first time you met him. Yeah, I mean, uh, Matt is a kind of a quite a smart, intelligent guy. He's quite inquisitive, and he comes across as. Um, as somebody who's understated but really uh, understands what's going on, which is kind of good for somebody of that age, um, he seems to bring with him a kind of a wisdom and almost an overarching plan for the future. Uh, and you could see that he was ambitious. He came down to work for us. He wanted to put in the hard hours and uh, he knew what was ahead of him. Um, he came in and, you know, he started uh, a lot of hard work. And he's making his way through that process. And for sure today is a huge day for him. It's going to really bring him on. It, it, it does a huge amount for a young chef's confidence. And, uh, and that's, a lot, that's a lot to do with how you progress and how you improve. So it's a wonderful, positive, bright thing for him. We've all enjoyed five superb types of, of dishes here tonight. They've been absolutely wonderful. What advice would you give to Matt and indeed to all the other participants? Uh, just that you know to uh, if, if you want to progress your career you have to uh, you have to have a goal you have to understand where you're going to uh, and you have to drive towards that you need lots of ambition you need an awful lot of discipline and uh, there are times where it becomes quite stressful and very repetitive and you have to drive on through those very very dark and hard times and uh, that nobody who uh, didn't work hard uh, didn't succeed you know everyone who works hard they always succeed at some stage in their career you might get your knockbacks but you have to keep focused on the end game 
Now we're in a very unusual venue tonight, a superb venue, and rumour has it that you're actually going to do the final next year in Newcastle West, in County Limerick. Yeah, well, you know, as they say in life, anything's a possibility, but, you know, we'll just have to make a decision at that juncture. I can't say no more, my lips are sealed. Being a Cork man, I'm sure you'd be very keen to bring the final to Munster. Oh, it would be a great thing, the crowning glory in my career. We look forward to seeing you in Newcastle West this time next year, Ross. <laughs> Thank Thanks you. so much for talking to me. See you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Congratulations again to Matthew and, of course, the other four young chefs. A fantastic event with super food and wine and a special word of thanks to Wade Murphy and his colleagues at Eurotalk for the invitation. Looking forward to next year already. And as you heard me saying to Ross there, you never know, it just might be in the monster neck of the woods. Now it's time to look at some of the events coming up this weekend. One website that I always remind you to take a look at to find out what's happening is discoverireland.ie forward slash food. It's a great source of information for what markets and festivals are on. And speaking of markets, the Little Christmas Market will be in the Hunt Museum this Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Details on littlechristmasmarkets.com. It sounds like a really festive occasion that with a carousel and of course the big man Santa will be there himself. On Saturday, visit Christmas Fest at a room outside in Bally Simon in Limerick. From 11am until 4.30pm, there'll be food to enjoy, wine tastings and a fashion show. All the details about that can be found on a roomoutside.ie. Check out justcooking.ie for details of all of Mark Doe's demos and courses in County Kerry. Mealagallery.ie for demos and courses in City West outside Dublin. And hookandladder.ie for those happening in Limerick. And finally, lots happening in Newcastle West Bookshop this week. Don't forget Francis Brennan, as I said last week. Francis Brennan of At Your Service fame and, of course, the fabulous Kenmare Park Hotel will be in Newcastle West Bookshop tomorrow night from 5.30pm. He has a book out called It's the Little Things, Francis Brennan's Guide to the Elegant Life. So do go along and meet him, get a copy of the book, get it signed, get a picture and say hello. And the Newcastle West Bookshop will also be enjoying a visit from the acclaimed author Roisin Meany this Saturday. Roisin writes Chicklet and she's been on the, the show here talking about wedding food after the, the book that she had out earlier this year after the wedding it's called. But Roisin is an accomplished storyteller and she'll also be doing storytelling for children in the bookshop this Saturday. She's been in Newcastle West before at Winterfest and she always always gets a great reception. So if you have small ones and there is Santa Claus in Newcastle West this Saturday through the Lions Club, you should definitely take them in to the bookshop. To find out what time she's going to be there, what time the sessions take place, have a look at the Newcastle West Bookshop Facebook page and all the details will be there. So please keep sending me details of your cookery demos, food courses, product launches and fundraisers to s.noonan at live.ie and I'll only be too delighted to give them a shout out here on the diary on Best Possible Taste. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. So we're out of time this evening. Thanks so much for your company and to all of tonight's guests, Rachel Keeley, Dee Laffin, Lisa McGee and of course the young chefs and mentor Ross Lewis so that's John Fitzmorris, Matthew Logan and Ian McKeel. Remember the podcast at soundcloud.com forward slash food and drink show don't forget the hyphens between the food and drink show if you missed any of the show tonight or maybe an older one or you want to tell a pal you can hear it all over again there and a few of the older ones Next week, Sinead Neeland of the Organic College will be here to talk Brussels sprouts. Love them or hate them. It's that Brussels sprout time of year. And I'll have lots of other festive fair info for you. So until then, get that Christmas tree up. Bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit!